So good to be back with you. Brother Jeremiah talked to me some time ago about coming, and before COVID uh, ramped back up again, uh, and tell a little bit about my story since the last time I was with y'all, and I'm pretty sure um, he told y'all, and y'all were praying for me. Back in December, I almost left this world. I spent 10 days in the hospital with COVID, and uh, two of them very critical, and um, I fought like everything, but I tell you the reason that I fought as hard as I did is because of the young lady sitting over here tonight and my family. And I know so many people have lost so many loved ones to this dreaded disease. When I was in the hospital for 10 days, there were eight people around me that died with COVID. And if you've never sat in a hospital, especially being in the bed and them monitoring you and having you hooked up on everything and you hearing the funeral people come in and roll people out and, and you see them in the full PPE and everything as they're coming in and out and everything, it is a very tough thing to witness psychologically and everything to see that. And uh, to go through what I went through, I've gained 20 pounds of the 31 that I lost back. And a lot of people are asking me since I am uh, six, seven months removed from it, how are you doing and how is everything working? Well, I tell you what, you still have COVID brain after that for a while. And, and, and things sometimes, you, you'll sit there and try to think. I heard Brother Jeremiah said in his office tonight, trying to think of somebody's name or something. And I'll look at somebody sometimes and I know this person. Yes, you know them. They've lived by you for 10 years. And you say, okay, I, I got that name right there. But a lot of folks look at you like you're crazy. Folks, I'm going to be blunt tonight. I'm not going to get Brother Jeremiah in any trouble. Uh, tonight I do want to preach a message that I've entitled, Heal Our Land. Now, a lot of folks might disagree with me, but that's all right. And I've been studying this and looking at this for some time. And you know, a lot of people take Second Chronicles chapter 7, and they automatically go down to verse number 14, in which we should. It is a very important verse. But God was telling Solomon that this is what's going to happen if you turn. If you'll notice in 2 Chronicles 17, there was a celebration going on because of the dedication of the temple uh, under the Lord. And he got down to verse 13 and he talked about a pestilence. He talked about something that would come on the land. Tonight, I want to tell you with all of my heart, I believe what we're seeing in our nation today is the judgment of God upon us. There's no way that we can sit back and see 4,500 babies murdered every year, every day, excuse me. Every day, they're murdered in abortion. We can see the marriage that God put together between a man and a woman be destroyed. And by the way, I got lectured by a 10-year-old this past week on transgender Ism. And this is what is infiltrating our public school systems and everything with this critical race theory and stuff like this. Our southern border is in chaos. I know some of those guys down there that are working with me being in law enforcement. I know some guys over in Afghanistan right now that are in that mess over there. I've never in my life seen the incompetency that we have today in leadership. And we have it bad. But you know what? Wicked leaders is a judgment of God. You find that all through Scripture. You find it. And the thing about what a lot of people don't understand is this, is that any time the nation of Israel was judged by God, God's people went through that judgment as well as everybody else. 
when you look at Babylon and you look at who was carried away there, and we often want to call them Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, but the Bible tells us their name is Mishael, Azariah, and here I go with COVID brain right now, Hananiah, Mishael, Azariah, and we don't know them by their Jewish names, but each one of their Jewish names is very important and means something about the Lord. And how that those young men and even Daniel was carried away captive because a nation would stick its nose up to God and say, we're the people of God, nothing is going to happen to us. I'm going to tell you tonight, there is a remedy for what's going on in our country tonight. And it would all happen if God's people would fall on their face in repentance tonight and turn back to God. Because chapter 7 in this passage of Scripture is talking to God's people. It's not talking to the heathen and the lost people out there. It is talking to God's people tonight. He says, if my people is how it starts off there in verse 14. Now, when we think about what is going on in our land and we see what is happening and we see the dangers that we're facing, how that our southern border is open and people are coming across. I'm going to say this before we get started. I do not want to be lectured about a man by a man who is telling a bunch of fourth and fifth graders in Texas and Florida they need to put masks on when he would do absolutely nothing about a southern border that 25% of the people that are crossing are COVID positive down there and they're putting them in cages and letting more and more of them get infected and then they're sending them out all through our country. A man like that is not qualified to counsel me on life who cares nothing about life. And we need to preach the gospel and stand up against these wicked people Show the office of president the respect that it is due because it is to be respected. But friends, listen, we are a government of the people, by the people, and for the people. They are forgotten. They work for us. We don't work for them. And we need to remind them of that. And we see what is happening in our nation. And tonight, let's look very quickly, if you would. If you don't mind, stand with me tonight to honor the reading of God's Word. And we're going to read verse 14, but we're going to reference all throughout this chapter. The Bible says in 2 Chronicles chapter 7, verse 14, If my people which are called by my name shall humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then will I hear from heaven, will forgive their sins, and will heal their Land. Heavenly Father, we pray tonight, Lord, you would bless the reading of your word. And Father, we just pray tonight that you would just bless preaching and smile down upon it. For it is in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. When we come to a time like this and we come to a place like this, often we get nervous. I remember as a child and my grandfather, I was raised by my grandparents and my grandfather was talking to me, my dad and I, well, we lived with my dad and my grandma and him lived right down the road and my dad worked all the time, my stepmom, and I was spent more time there with my grandparents than I did with anything else. And my grandfather would always talk to me about certain things. And I remember asking him a question one time, and today I look back on it and somewhat think it was a foolish question because I come to know all too fast how they felt on this day. I asked my grandfather, I said, how did it feel, what was it like to be alive on December 7th, 1941? And my grandfather kind of looked down, I can remember, he said, son, it was a scary day. 
And I often wondered for a long time what that day felt like. And then we had September the 11th, 2001. Now, I teach law and public safety, and I teach constitutional law. And none of my students that I teach were born on 2001, September the 11th. They were born after that. And one of my students asked the other day, what was it like to be alive on 9-11? And I looked at him and I said, I pray to God you never experience a day like that. But you know what I'm afraid of? If the Lord tarries, they're going to experience many days like that to come. We're living in very volatile times. We're living in very dangerous times. And what the world needs today is a bright and shining light. But I want you to understand tonight that if God's people would get real with God, a lot of things could change. A lot of things could happen. Hezekiah, remember, repented when he was told to set his house in order, and God added some years to his life. He added some time there that he gave to Hezekiah because Hezekiah repented of what he was confronted with. Now, I'm going to tell you right now, one of our biggest problems today in this country is the church. And churches are going the direction that families are going And we see that today because of what we're dragging into the churches. Now, you think about this. There was a time that the church, the men of God, the people of God, they were respected in this land. They would not play a ball game on a Wednesday night. They would not play a ball game on a Sunday. I can remember in high school, our principal would check with the local pastors about different dates and make sure revivals and stuff wasn't going on. And we never had to worry about the principal saying, well, we got to do a make-up ball game on a Wednesday night because it was automatically assumed that everybody would be going to the house of prayer on that night. Well, my friends, I want you to know tonight this is the fact today that we've started trying to compete with the world and do what the world is doing to attract people, and God did not put us here for that. There are some things we need to realize that here in this passage of Scripture tonight that if we would put in the practice we would see the power of God fall. I had a man try to debate me on the glory of God, and he wanted to run around, and he wanted to yell about the glory of God and and spit and sputter about the glory of God and, and how that I need the glory of God on my preaching and everything. And I said, have you never read the Bible about the glory of God? When the Shekinah glory of God fell in the temple in 2 Chronicles chapter 7, even the priests had to vacate. They couldn't stay in there with it. And you're going to tell me you're going to run around kicking in the glory of God and stuff. It is kind of like one person said one time, look at my face, it shines like Moses did. The only problem with that, Moses didn't know his face was shining. You know, a lot of people think they're holier than somebody else. You don't have to tell somebody if you're walking with God, people will notice that. You don't have to shout and blow your horn and toot your horn over that. But we see here in this passage of Scripture in verse number 1, some things begin to happen, and everything starts happening when people start praying. You know, one of the biggest problems with church today is we don't pray like we should. We pray in crisis. But here Solomon in verse 1 began to pray, and the Bible says, And the glory of the Lord filled the house. What would it be like today for the glory of God really to fall? People would be convicted of their sin. The sinner be brought and broken to their knees and they confess Christ and they trust Christ. The child of God be truly revived and stand up for the things of God. What would it be like? But you notice in verse number two something too. 
The Bible says here that the priest could not enter into the house of the Lord because of the glory of the Lord had filled the Lord's house. What would that be like? To see that kind of Shekinah glory, to see God revered, to see God respected, to see God feared today. And the Bible tells us that the beginning of knowledge is the fear of the Lord. And you understand that we have people today that will snub their nose in God's face. And you say, well, look at all those wicked sinners out there and how they live. Listen, God's people does that by rejecting to obey the Lord. And the very simple of things. We find people today that want to debate with a pastor, that want to debate with people in church over what's right and wrong and what they watch on TV and what they listen to on radios and stuff like that. And we talk about being serious with God. We're not even talking about serious things yet that our people are involved in. Thirdly, I want you to see something. The effect of this glory of God, the falling of it, had an effect on God's people. Look in verse number 3. The Bible says, And when all the children of Israel saw how the fire came down and the glory of the Lord upon the house, they bowed themselves with their faces to the ground upon the pavement and worshiped and praised the Lord, saying, For he is good, for his mercy endureth forever. I want you to notice when you come into the presence of the glory of God, it will cause you to go to a place of bowing yourself in a place of worship. A lot of people today cannot separate emotionalism from spiritual things, and they think because they're emotional, they're spiritual. It doesn't work that way, folks. A lot of people think because they can jump up and run and shout, and there's nothing wrong with running and shouting and all that kind of stuff, or saying praise the Lord, but they think that is being spiritual. Spirituality comes from obedience to what God says. And you'll find most people that want to rip and run and all of that kind of stuff, their life is in chaos. So we need to think about this. And let's look at our text tonight. And I want us to look very quickly at just a few things. There's, first of all, we look here in this passage of Scripture, and he's speaking about if his people were to turn. Well, if you go to verse 13, he says, If I shut up heaven and there be no rain, or if I command the locusts to devour the land... Or if I send pestilences among my people. Now I want you to know tonight we have a pestilence among our people. And it's called COVID. It's called COVID. And it's scaring people to death. But folks, I'm going to tell you, we can be careful all the day long and we should. We should be careful. But do you know this thing has not killed or has touched as many people as the Spanish flu of 1918? Hasn't. It hasn't. There are 1,800 people who die every day of heart disease, which is more than what die of COVID, and we had not shut Kentucky Fried Chicken down yet. There's something behind the scenes, and I'm telling you, it is the wickedness and leadership that are pushing our people to control. Now, I'm all about freedom. I'm all about freedom. I received an email the other day from our school board that said if you are quarantined or if you come down with COVID you have to use your days if you're not vaccinated but if you're vaccinated you will be paid and you don't have to use your days now I'm going to tell you something I might have come in on a banana boat but I was sailing it when it came into the harbor 
I know coercion when I see it. I've worked long enough in law enforcement to know what coercion is and to know what bribery and trickery is. What they're saying is you're going to have to get the COVID vaccine. Somebody's got to explain something to me tonight. One year ago, nurses without the vaccine were heroes. Tonight, they're being fired from their jobs if they don't take it. Something bad wrong with that, folks. Now, I'm not telling you not to get the vaccine. I'm not either saying or or against. I almost died from the stuff. I didn't get the vaccine, and I'm not going to get the vaccine. You want to know why? My doctor told me I was better vaccinated against it with the antibodies that God gave me than what I could get in a needle. Now, we talk about things, and I want you to understand something and what I went through with COVID-19. I was isolated from my wife and my family for 10 days, couldn't see them, and people constantly coming in, and I've got to take my hat off to the nurses and the people who took, to me, took care of me were wonderful. But when I went back to my follow-up appointment, my COVID doctor set me down, my wife can testify this, and she looked me eyeball to eyeball and she said, Steve, there's something I've been wanting to tell you for a month now since you've been out of the hospital. She said, medicine did not save you. This is a medical doctor. She said, you had all the numbers, the white counts and all of that kind of stuff, the D-dimer counts where you develop the blood clots and all that. She said, you had all the numbers of everybody that dies. And she said, there's no medical explanation for you being here. She said, I want you to know you're here because God was not ready for you. God healed you. And by the way, this is the same doctor that took me by the hand one night when I was so sick and I thought I was about to leave the world and held my hand and prayed for me beside my bedside there that night in the hospital and prayed for me. They're not supposed to, and I haven't given you a doctor's name, but they're not supposed to do any type live Facebook chats or not Facebook, FaceTime chats and stuff. And some of them wouldn't. But one night my wife was really worried and wanted to talk to the doctor. And guess what that doctor did? Talked to her on FaceTime there in the hospital. Could have lost her job because they're not supposed to do that. They're not supposed to do that. But she did. And she said, Steve, you're here because God left you here. There was nothing that we did to save your life. I was way past getting the infusion, even though they gave me that five-day infusion, which now they say don't work. And I'm still here today. When we are affected by the judgment of God, it affects every one of us. I can look back over my life and say I haven't been everything I should be for Christ. So who am I to cry out and say, God, why are you doing this to me? Because I have put other things between me and God. And I believe if every one of us would be honest, we'd all have to say that. He says, if my people, which are called by my name, we see the condition. The condition is, number one, we must humble ourselves, we must pray, we must seek his face, and oh, everything gets better and we're to stop. No, we are to turn, he says, from our wicked ways. Laying in the hospital for 10 days, two, I was very critical, didn't even know I was in the world. I did fight them over the ventilator. I was not going on the ventilator. I got up to five liters of oxygen. 
I told him, y'all might as well let me die. I'm not going on that ventilator. And there was a young black man who was a nurse that took care of me. He volunteered for the COVID wing. He was out of nursing school about a year and volunteered for the COVID wing. Every night he would come in here and said, Mr. Robinson, this is what he said to me, and I'll never forget these words. He said, if you're going to die, don't die in that bed. Let's die on your feet. And that stuck with me. If you're going to die, don't die in that bed. Die on your feet. Do not let this stuff humiliate you. Do not let it pull you down. Do not let it keep you down. If you don't have the strength, you find the strength. If you don't have the strength, call me and I'll pick you up. Die on your feet. You know what? The church has sat down and started dying. They're going to close us down. Let them close us down for standing on our feet. And standing up for what is right. He says, if my people were to call by my name, shall humble themselves and pray and seek my face. See, it takes sacrifice. It takes putting what I want aside. It takes putting what God wants for me in the forefront, the priority. And in, to turn from my wicked ways. Now, God told David that some of the problem he had was presumptuous sins. Those little bitty things that we don't think bothers nobody but ourselves. My friend, I'm going to tell you something. You know, the most aggressive cancer starts with just one small radical cell. You can look at rat poison, and rat poison is 99.9999% good food. It's that .00001 that kills you. You think about this. If my people which are called by my name shall humble themselves, that's a lot of our problem today is because of the pride that is in our life. He says, humble ourselves, pray and seek my face, and turn from their wicked ways. And then he says, then will I hear from heaven, will forgive their sins, and will heal their land. We see the condition. Next, I want you to notice in verse 17, the individual responsibility. Now, the Lord had told Solomon this, and had told him that this must happen, and this must happen, and this must happen. But then look at what the Lord says to him. And as for thee, in verse number 17. Now let me tell you something. There's no way you can get right tonight for anybody setting across this building. You can't look across and pick one person out and say, Okay, God, I know they're living a wicked life. I'm going to get right for them. No, you can't do that. You can only do that for yourself. That is why he says, and as for thee. Nobody can get saved for you. Nobody can get right for you. Nobody can repent for you. You have to do that on your own. Nobody can turn around and turn to God for you but you. And he says, And as for thee, if thou wilt walk before me as David thy father walked, and do according to all that I have commanded thee, and shall observe my statutes and my judgments, then will I establish thy throne of thy king, excuse me, then will I establish the throne of thy kingdom according as I have covenanted with David thy father, saying, There shall not fail thee a man to be ruler in Israel. I want you to understand something. Solomon did not see this to the end. Why? Preached on it this morning in our little church in 1 Kings chapter 11. He married all of these different women and they turned his heart from God. 
Here's a man that is standing at the very temple when the Shekinah glory of God falls. He's praying and God gives him a warning and God dresses him individually. But you go over to 1 Kings chapter 11 and you'll find out he is building altars on a hill across from Jerusalem to two of the most wicked false deities that ever was. Chemosh, I believe is how you say one, and Molech, who they burned their children in the fires to. Here's a man's heart that was turned away from God. Oh, my goodness. We look at this and we see the individual responsibility. God made him this promise in 17 and 18, but God warned him in verse 19, Look, but if you turn away and forsake my statutes and my covenants, and my commandments which I have set before you, and shall go and serve other gods and worship them, then will I pluck them up by the roots out of my land which I have given them and this house. I want you to notice what you do affects more than just you. What Solomon did affected Rehoboam. Think about this. What he did affected his son. Did not the Bible say that the sin of the father would be passed down into the third and fourth generation? Why does people still try God? We do it all the time. This past week has been a very difficult week for our family. About every one of our family has had COVID. Well, I had it back in December. But all of our family has had COVID from our grandchildren to my brother to my wife to our daughter, son-in-law. And then in the midst of every bit of it, my precious first cousin, who I grew up with, lost her daughter and son-in-law in a tragic car wreck this past week. You think about how much more can happen. But you know what? Ori's daddy is a man by the name of Henry Carmichael. He's a chief master sergeant in the Mississippi Air National Guard. He was at Gulfport when his daughter got killed. Vicky and I went up to Philadelphia. We stopped by where the wreck happened. I got out and looked at where the wreck happened. I had a couple of Highway Patrol friends working that wreck. Saw what had happened. It was after they had moved the bodies. They had moved the cars and everything. And Vic and I went on to Philadelphia. And as we were coming back, there was Henry and Robbie Ann, my first cousin, there at the wreck site. Robbie Ann grabbed me and began to cry. And Henry was standing there. And Henry and I began to talk. And Henry looked at me. And he said, you know what? He said, God needed them worse than we did for some reason. And I don't understand that. The Lord giveth and the Lord taketh away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Here's a daddy that just drove up in Gulfport, Mississippi. His 21-year-old daughter had just been killed at the location we was at. And what was he doing? He was praising the Lord. What does most of us do today? We complain about everything. We gripe about everything. And you know what? Most of the things we gripe and complain about, we self-inflict ourselves with what causes our problem. Here we find that this individual responsibility, God was telling Solomon, you've got to keep yourself right because you're responsible for a whole lot more people. Think about that. What has God put you over, fathers, a home? What is God allowing you to do, men and ladies in this church, when you are teaching or you're leading a certain group? You're an authority. Your life better match what you're saying. Your life better match what you're doing. Because let me tell you something. When you're in authority and something happens, it's going to be a loud kaboom when it hits the ground. It's going to cause a lot of problems. 
Lastly, I want you to notice tonight, how can we heal our land? How can these things happen? When we see all of this going on about us, we see our individual responsibility, we see the condition of getting right with God. If we don't get right with God. Thirdly, I want you to see in verse 21, the house of God will be a reproach. You know what? People who used to respect the church mock it now. Think about it. Think about it. There's a lot of times your crook and your criminal would not ever try to break into a church or try to deface a church. They don't care no more. You wonder why there's no respect for it no more. Why? Because they can't tell the difference between it and the world. And they need to be able to tell the difference between us and what's going on in this world, people. If there's no difference, they don't see no need to change in what they're doing. The Bible says in verse number 21, And this house, which is high, shall be an astonishment to everyone that passes by it, so that he shall say, Why hath the Lord done thus unto this land and unto this house? You know what? The heathen know better what we're supposed to be doing sometimes than we do ourselves. They do. They'll ask you very quickly, aren't you a child of God? Yes, I am. Why are you, why are you doing this? Why are you here? Why are you listening to this? Why are you watching that? A lot of folks are stumbling over our poor testimony straight into the lake of fire. The government has no more respect for us today because we want to play politics in church. We want to be like the world. What is there to respect anymore? I'm telling you tonight, you want to cure coronavirus? You want to cure the ills of this country? God's people get on its face and do some repenting. You would see some changing. You want to know why we have Joe Biden as president of the United States? And if you voted for him, I'm not being mean or offensive towards you. You want to know why we have him tonight? It's what we deserved. It's what we deserved. We got what we deserved. I mean, you think about this tonight. If we would do some repenting, if we'd do some getting right, if we'd do some turning, do you think a person like that would be the President of the United States? Have y'all not noticed since January, the time that he was inaugurated to where we are today, how bad our economy, how bad everything is turned? Folks, that's just not happening just because. God's letting us feel the effect of his pressure. And we can complain about Joe Biden. And by the way, I'm just going to go ahead and throw this out here. They're using that older gentleman because he's not right in the mind. Everybody knows that. He can't say a coherent sentence, and I'm not mocking him. I feel sorry for him because somebody behind him is pulling the strings and stuff. And they propped him up. And I go ahead and tell you, he probably won't even finish this term. But we're looking at a very dangerous time. And it can all be settled if God's people would get on their face and God would heal our land. I've heard, let's run and get the vaccine, let's wear a mask, let's social distance, 
Let's call off schools. Let's do all of these type things. Let's, let's go virtual. Let's do all of this. Let's let people come across the border. How about let's try repentance once and see what will happen in this land. We tried everything else. It's not working. Dr. Fauci said go get the shot. That, uh, coronavirus would be gone in no time. Wear a mask. You won't get it. We found all of that not to be true. So let's try what is true. Biblical repentance. And folks, that doesn't start at the White House. That doesn't start at the church house. That starts at our house. Try it. Try it. I often get tickled. You'll see this car tag every now and then. It'll say, when all else fails, read the Bible. That is about the most unwise advice I've ever heard in my life. When all else fails, try to, why not start with a Bible to start with? Why not start out with repentance? You know, we have a national day of prayer that has turned into pretty much a mockery now in the way that they do these things. Why not call for a national day of real prayer and repentance? You know, our national leaders have done that before. I remember when 9-11 happened... It was the first time Democrats and Republicans wasn't strangling each other's eyeballs out. They were on the front of the U.S. Capitol praying for God's mercy. Think about it. The Southern Baptists reported back when Desert Storm was going on, July, I mean, excuse me, January 17, 1991, when it went from Desert Shield to Desert Storm, that every church saw a dramatic increase of attendance and people at the altar praying. You want to know why? Little Bobby and little Sally was being sent over there to that place to fight, and along with 100,000 body bags were sent. And you can look this up in Google, you can find this. They thought we were going to lose thousands upon thousands of troops there and mamas and daddies begin to cry out to God be merciful and guess what God was we lost 279 service people in desert storm 150 of them were to friendly fire God was merciful now losing one was too many to in my book but God was merciful why? Because people called upon his name and they repented and prayed. Why not try that and see if God will not heal our land? Why not? What do we got to lose? What do we got to lose? Wearing three masks? Getting a booster instead of every six months now? We're going to have to get a booster every three months? You know what? The American people are resilient. If the government would just tell us the truth, we don't know what works, but would y'all support us and help us and let's try this. Be transparent. You would see a national pride like you've never seen before. If there's a little honesty and transparency. You look at our history, it's happened over and over and over. From the people going out and collecting metal before World War II or during World War II, the ladies giving their pantyhoses up and people bringing their extra tires and using them because of all that they needed for the World War II. People are resilient in the United States. Just tell us the truth. Just tell us the truth. 
And you would see a mobilization of this country like you've never seen before. But also, if the church would get right and repent, you would see a mobilization of God's people like you've never seen before too. Seriously. Tonight, is there something in your life that you think is hidden that nobody knows? Tonight, is there something that you're struggling with, that little sin that so easily besets you that you can't run the race that is set before you? That weight that is tying you down? You're troubled about something. You might just say, God, I'm absolutely scared to death of this thing called COVID. When the Bible repeats time after time after time, fear not. Think about these things. Do you not know that God knows exactly where you are right now? He fed the sparrows. He feeds the sparrows. He clothes the fields with lily. He can take care of every one of us. Think about this. I had a nurse that told me the other day. She actually is a good friend of mine. She's from New York. I tell her, you're a Yankee. That's the only problem I have with you. She was sitting there, and she was debating the case of taking the vaccine with me, which I don't worry about the vaccine. I mean, if you've ever been in the military, you was a test guinea pig anyway, getting shots of every type of anthrax and everything else and, and all of that. I mean, whew, if you've never had a yellow fever and typhoid shot at one time, you ought to get one. That, that's a doozy right there. She said, what is your problem with the vaccine? I said, I just want clarity on it. And she smiled. She says, what clarity do you want? I said, 64 people to CDC, 6,400 people to CDC said has died from the vaccine. That's what the CDC has said. She said, now, Steve, you're a Christian. Don't you know, if you believe what you say you believe, that if you died of that vaccine, it was just your time to go. And I looked across the table at her. I said, yep, she's going to swallow this hook, line, and sinker. Now I'm going to set the hook. I said, yes, ma'am, you're absolutely right. And if I die from COVID, it was my time to go as well. And she started grinning. She says, you got me right there. I said, don't be selling anybody false narratives where they will surrender their freedom. There's too much of that going on. The truth needs to be told from the Scripture and from those people out there with what's happening. If we want our nation healed tonight, it's got to be on the basis of truth and repentance. And if there's something in your life tonight, you need to get right with God. You need to confess that. Don't be a stumbling block. Father, we thank you so much for the opportunity to come here and speak tonight.